welcome everyone. My name is Tim Harris, pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. All of you joining us by audio or video podcast. It, it means the world to us that you take the trouble to find us and to follow us here at Woodburn. God bless you in the cafe this morning. We love you guys more than anything in the world. Enjoy your time around the table just as we have enjoyed the time around the table here in the sanctuary this morning. It is good to be in the house of God together. Open your Bibles to the book of First Kings, Old Testament, First Kings chapter 17. Life changes pretty quickly. Situations are constantly changing. And just when you think you've got it all figured out, everything changes. Yesterday, we went to bring my son's stuff back from college. He graduated college, and now we're moving his junk back home. We, we just got his junk out, and then now we brought all of his junk back. Although it took a pickup truck to move him there and a U-Haul to bring him back. I, I don't understand any of this. Uh, things just change. We were coming home, I was driving the U-Haul, and it just started to rain, and I had to go to the bathroom, and you know how that is. So, so I pulled off at this sort of a little minute mark there at the, at the edge of Taylor County, right there, coming out of Campbellsville. I mean, yeah, Campbellsville. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I got there, and when I realized, you know, the, the men's room was occupied, and I sort of stepped back a minute and waited, and I don't know if the poor guy had a magazine or, or whatever, but he wasn't coming out, and I really needed to go and... and uh, so I looked at the ladies' room, and it was available. And there are new laws and stuff. I mean, I reckon I can go, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I was identifying as a man who really needed to go, you understand? And so I looked around the whole store, and there was not a woman in the store, like at all. Like, no, this is all men. So I'm thinking, this is a no-brainer. I can be in and out of here. Nobody will, will ever, I mean, there's not a woman in the store, so... I went in the ladies' room, y'all, and I was really careful. I lifted the seat. I put the seat back down. You know, I mean, nobody's ever going to know that, that I was in there. Um, anyway, when I opened the door to come out, there's a line of women. Like, <laughs> there's like women. I mean, did they come on a bus? I have no idea. But it was, I just said, I am so sorry uh, you know, to, to, to have defiled your sanctuary in there. I don't know. I'm sure Casey loved that. I have no idea where all of those women came from. But I'm just saying things can change really, really quickly. You think you know uh, what's going on, and all of a sudden you, you don't really know. Um, the thing we need to remember, though, is that God always knows. Things change, but God doesn't change, and God's intention to provide for my needs never changes. However, it's very, very difficult for us sometimes to understand how God will take care of us, not just in this present moment, but in a future moment, which brings us to 1 Kings chapter 17. Let's take a look at the way God cares for the man named Elijah. First Kings chapter 17. This is his very first appearance in scripture and he just appears out of nowhere. And this is where his story begins. First Kings chapter 17. Now, Elijah, who was from Tishba in Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by Kirith Brook near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you. For I have commanded them to bring you food. 
Isn't that amazing? So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kirith Brook east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat. I mean, in my book, that's a sandwich, y'all. They brought him a sandwich. They brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. Verse 7. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. And as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her and bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and for your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. That good, that is so good, that is so good. I mean, she poured it out empty every day, and yet every new day it was full again. That's amazing. That, that's amazing. My, my dad was raised poor. I know this because every time I asked him to buy me something growing up, he reminded me how poor he was when he was growing up. Y- y'all know how that was? Yeah, my, my dad was. They, they were poor. They were farmers and a lot of kids, and, uh, and, and I love him. Uh, although I got tired of the speeches. The worst was any time I needed shoes, I would say, Daddy, I, I need some shoes. Can you buy me some new shoes? And my dad would go, what's wrong with those shoes you got? I would say, they're old. They're old. And my dad would say, old? Old? You think those shoes are old? Well, those shoes are like brand new. And then here we go. When I was a kid, I didn't get new shoes. We didn't get new nothing. I wore one pair of shoes, an old pair of leather brogans. I wore the same pair of shoes to school that I wore to the barn. I wore those shoes until the bottoms fell off. And when the bottoms fell off, I stapled the bottoms back on with hall greens. This is what he said, y'all. This is what he said. Y'all know what hall greens are? Only some of you. Yeah. My dad stapled the bottoms of his shoes back on with hog rings. Okay. Now you think, man, that's an awful story. You think that's as bad as it gets, but my dad could take it deeper. I wore those shoes with the hog rings to the barn and I wore them to school. And then I played on the basketball team for Woodburn High School. And guess who played basketball in the same leather shoes with hog rings? 
I'm thinking, this is awful. I mean, this is, I mean, this is the saddest story I've ever heard. But then there's a part of me thinking, yeah, Dad, why don't you just put us both in the car? Let's both get some new shoes. You understand? Let's just both get some. My dad and I had very, very different mentalities. But being raised in poverty taught my dad to think in terms of scarcity. Understand? In other words, for my dad growing up, there was never enough. And so somehow, even in his adult life, he carried that sort of mentality of scarcity. Even if you can afford to go buy new shoes, you just don't go get new shoes if the ones you have are perfectly fine. You understand? That was my dad's mentality. And God bless him. He learned that in poverty. But my mindset was very, very different. What made my mindset so different? Well, first off, I was raised with a different dad. My grandpa Harris was apparently a tough man. I mean, your, your kid's boots are holding on with hog rings, you understand? But my dad managed to give me all of the things that he never had. God bless him. I got all of the things that my dad never had. I, I never, ever put shoes back together with hog rings, although once I tried it just to see what that would look like. He gave me all the things he never had. And so therefore, I've sort of always had this mentality of abundance. In my house, we never had a lot, but we always had enough. You understand? Always had enough. So I would think nothing of asking for new shoes. And even though I had to always hear the hog ring story, I always got shoes. You understand? I always got shoes. There's this mentality of scarcity, and there is this mentality of abundance in life, but also in, in, in the spiritual life. And when it comes to God, the very same principle is in place, and it's simply you can live out of scarcity or you can live out of abundance. Now, the Heavenly Father promises through Jesus that we can have what kind of life? An abundant life, abundant life. That means we live out of the overflow of his goodness and out of the overflow of what he provides. With our heavenly father, there is an infinite supply. There is always more than enough. You understand, when it comes to being a child of the heavenly father, there is no scarcity mentality. It's not that we're living on meager resources. We have the fountain of every blessing who is our father. Do you understand? So there is this mentality of abundance. We live out of his abundance every single day. So what does that look like? There for a minute, I sounded like Joel Osteen, wasn't I? You live out of abundance. It's this idea that, that we have so much because our father is the king. And, and Joel Osteen would say that when your father is the king, you get to live like kingdom kids. And, and I get all of that. I understand all of that. Joel says that God wants all of your kids to go to college. That's interesting. And I think you'd have a hard time explaining how God wants your kid to go to college if you are the widow who lives at Zarephath. So this idea of abundance, it doesn't necessarily mean wealth. It doesn't mean God's always going to give you new shoes. In God's abundance, you still might sometimes have some hog ring seasons. So, so what does it mean? What does it mean to live out of his abundance? What does it look like? Well, it may look like what happened to the prophet Elijah when he was drinking out of the brook. 
He appears out of absolutely nowhere. This, this undocumented, uncredentialed, uninvited prophet who just shows up before the throne of King Ahab. King Ahab is a wicked king, one of the most wicked kings that, that you'll ever know. In Scripture, King Ahab is, is a horribly evil man. Now, just like in our day, the king's job is to make the country sort of putter along, you know, smoothly. And the king's main job, just like our president's job, is the economy. Most people judge how well one of our leaders does by the state of the economy. And that's the same way back in King Ahab's day. He had this responsibility as the king to make sure that everybody had enough. And so in the ancient world, the economy has more to do with agriculture than anything else. There's no currency. There's no money. There's no coins. You understand? It's all about what you can raise, what you can produce, which means everything comes down to rain. And so the king's job was to make sure there was rain. Now, that is certainly a recipe for, for frustration because nobody on earth can make it rain. But the king was expected and held responsible for the state of the economy. And if it's not raining, the king looks bad. Maybe that's why King Ahab sort of became a worshiper of Baal. Baal was a, a false god, an idol that surrounded the, the people surrounding the people of Israel often worshiped Baal because he was the rainmaker. He was the god of rain. So Ahab worshiped Baal. So Ahab thinks of himself as something of a rainmaker because he thinks that he's got in his pocket the little god Baal who guarantees rain to those who serve and worship him. So do you really think it's an accident that Elijah just walks straight into the king and says, this is what God says, not your God, my God. This is what God says. It's not going to rain. This is like the worst weather forecast ever. It is not going to rain. It's not going to rain a drop. There's not going to be a single drop of dew until I say, until God says, Elijah walks out. No rain. You see, this is a little lesson intended to teach King Ahab who the real God is. It's intended to teach King Ahab who the real king is, where the power comes from, actually where the rain comes from. It's the Lord God. The problem is King Ahab is a slow learner, and so it's going to get very dry for everybody, including Elijah. Including Elijah. That same drought is going to affect everybody. So what does God tell Elijah? I want you to go to a brook. He tells him exactly what brook, a little stream that feeds into the Jordan River at a place called Kirith. Go there and you just camp by that brook and you'll always have water. And as a matter of fact, you just stay right there. I'll have food delivered in. I have it flown in by drone. Isn't that awesome? I'll have it flown and I'll have food flown in. Now, who's bringing the food? Ravens. Ravens are not considered in the Old Testament to be a clean bird. And they're not clean birds. They're scavenger birds, which means what? Yeah, probably the meat they're delivering. They're not getting that out of the dumpster at Bojangles. You understand? The, the meat they're bringing is probably, you know, roadkill. But he's not going to starve. And he's not going to die of thirst. 
The amazing thing is that Elijah hears God. This is what sets him apart from everybody else. And the book of James says Elijah is a man just like you and me. I mean, he's human, as human as they come. What makes him extraordinary is that he has this incredible habit of listening to God. Now, the first thing I would say is that the time to be listening to God is before the drought comes. This is what saves Elijah. He listens to God, and therefore, before the drought even comes, he is able to hear God's instructions and go to the place where he's going to be provided for. Elijah's not going to go hungry, and he's not going to go thirsty because God is going to provide for him. And God gives him specific instructions as to how that provision will come, but Elijah has to put himself in the place where he can receive it. Do you understand? So he has to two steps, listen to God to hear the instructions and then obey God so that he can receive what God wants him to have. You listen and obey. Understand, faith is built on this listening relationship. It's a listening relationship, always listening and always obeying. I use that word always because the thing is, notice in verse 7, after a while, the brook dried up. Okay, understand the brooks always dry up. They always dry up. And did I mention there's a drought? It's not raining. And so eventually God sent him to the brook and God's been feeding him. But eventually the brook dries up. Now, what does it mean when the brook dries up? Does it mean that God has forgotten Elijah? Does it mean that God is no longer taking care of Elijah? No, not at all. It just means that the way he provided for Elijah yesterday is not going to be the way he provides for Elijah tomorrow. And the same is true for you and me. What God has done for you in the past to take care of you may not be what God is going to do to take care of you tomorrow. That's why you have to always listen to God. You have to listen because situations change. God never changes. And God's intention to care for you never, ever runs out. He's always going to provide for you. But God is under no obligation to provide for you the same way tomorrow that he provides for you today. He will be faithful. He will take care of you, but he won't necessarily always do it the same way. That's why you have to listen. So why does God do that? I mean, if Elijah has a perfectly good brook babbling water every single day, and if he's got this deal with the birds where they just keep bringing food, why can't Elijah just lay there and get fat and happy? Why can't he stay there forever? Why can't he just drink out of that brook? Because understand, if he stayed by that brook too long, if he sat there being fed by the birds too long, eventually Elijah's faith is in the brook and in the birds. We have this tendency always somehow to forget where things come from. We forget that God is our source. We forget that we trust him. We forget that faith is built on a listening relationship with God. We have to listen to God in order to have faith because without faith, it's impossible to know God or to please him. So you have to listen to him. And that is why God will not necessarily provide for you the same way today that he did yesterday. Because he wants to show you that he is your source. It's difficult. 
Some of you right here today are camped out by a dried up brook and you don't know what to do. You don't understand. This may have been the way God has provided for you in this past season of your life, but you're moving into a new season. And you have to recognize that this brook that you're camped beside, certainly God led you there, but he's ready to lead you somewhere else now. You have to listen to God. It's really, really difficult when your brook dries up. Some of you in this situation or you've lived through this kind of situation, you know how hard it is. It's typically at that time of transition when you move out of one season of your life and into the next season of your life. And you realize that the way God provided for you in the past is not going to be the way he provides in the future. And that's always a time that produces anxiety for most of us. We like to know where it's going to come from. We like to know. And we've learned to trust the brook and trust the ravens of yesterday. And that's the point. We need to learn to trust the God who's leading us into tomorrow. Some of you have lived through the death of your spouse. I mean, God had provided so much joy, so much of the fullness of your life through that wife that you loved, through that husband that you loved. And then they're gone. And you wonder, is there any life for me now? Is there going to be any fullness for me in, in this day forward? This, this, this way that God filled my life is, is, is now gone. What is tomorrow going to be like? Some of you are graduating, you're moving from one school, from one city, you're moving out of your parents' home, and I'm telling you, your parents were better than the ravens for Elijah. I mean, they've been flying in stuff for you since you were born. Diapers, wipes, you understand? I mean, they just keep bringing it in, and you've learned to love this, but all of a sudden, you're going to be out there in the world, and mama and dad are not going to fly in, understand, with a pepperoni pizza. It doesn't work that way, and suddenly, you've got to learn that God's going to provide for you in a very different way. It's difficult when the brook you've been camped beside suddenly dries up. But the point is, you've got to listen to God. God's going to take care of Elijah now. It's just going to be different. And honestly, when he first heard it, 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 it had to sound pretty good. The Lord said to Elijah, verse 8, go and live in the village of Zarephath. It's a village now. Y'all, he's been living alone out by a stream, eating roadkill that the birds brought him. And now God says, I want you to go to a village and I've instructed a widow to take care of you. Y'all know about old ladies? Y'all know how they cook? Elijah's thinking, jackpot. You mean there's a widow out there? There's an old lady going to cook for me? Man, listen, any old lady in the house, you can cook for me anytime. Old ladies cook and Elijah's thinking, hot dog, man. I got a old lady going to cook for me, man, like a grandma. That sound awesome? You know how your grandma cooks? Elijah's thinking, you know, man, I'm, I'm going to get chicken and dumplings. Man, I, I'm probably going to get like real mashed potatoes with gravy. I'm, I'm probably going to get like country fried steak. Man, cobblers, and they're going to be like blackberry cobbler and strawberry cobbler with ice cream on top, man. Y'all know how that is? And Elijah's thinking, I, I got an old lady going to cook for me. God, thank you. You know, th- thank you, God. God is so good. But, but what's he get? So he went to Zarephath. He arrived at the gates of the village. He saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And while you're at it, would you go ahead and just bring me something to eat too? You know, I mean... God said, I've commanded a widow to feed you. I've arranged for a widow to feed you. So Elijah just, you know, hit bellies right up to the table. 
Water. You know, bring, hey, lady, you know, something to eat. What does she say? This would be my, this would be the lady I would get. <laughs> I swear by the Lord your God, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and just a little bit of oil. And I'm going to gather these sticks. I'm going to make a fire. I'm going to make the very last skillet of cornbread I can ever make. I'm going to eat it with my son. And we're going to die. That would be the lady I would get. She doesn't even seem to know that, you know, I mean, this was God's plan. That God's going to provide. I mean, God said, I, I arranged for a widow, a, a lady to feed you. And problem is God didn't seem to order out any groceries for her. She has this mentality of scarcity. She's not gloomy. She's not depressed. She's not a negative person. She is ultimately realistic. She simply says exactly what the truth is. I, I have a handful of meal, and I have a few drops of oil. I'm starving. It's this mentality of scarcity. She has reached the end of everything that she has, and yet God has a plan for her. And God has a plan for Elijah. And the basic principle of your life that you have to understand is that God always provides. He always provides everything you need to do his will. Now, God always provides everything you need. Most of you want me to stop right there. And you think that, you know, jackpot, now you're going to get everything you want. And this is where probably Joel Olstein and I differ. I don't necessarily believe that God just gives you everything. I don't think that your kid's necessarily guaranteed to go to college. I, I think that sometimes life gets really, really hard. God actually never promised that life wouldn't be hard. He didn't promise that there wouldn't be drought. He didn't promise that you wouldn't sometimes be down to your last handful of flour. Do you understand? But he always provides everything you need to do his will. If he takes you there, he's going to lead you through it. Do you understand? And so he brings Elijah to her table and says, God says that you're going to feed me. And she says, there's no way. I can't even feed my family. We're, we're dying here. We're starving here. Do, do, do you understand that? So Elijah, who knows God and listens to God, says, no, 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 listen, don't, don't, don't think like that. God says you're going to feed me. And, and so he just simply trusts God that, that if God says she's going to feed him, then she's going to feed him. And, and if God says that he's going to do it, then you just got to trust what, what's right there. So he says, no, you just go right on ahead. You do what you said, but at the same time, you go ahead and make me something too. What? She just said, I got a handful of flour and some oil. I'm going to make food for, for me and my son. And now he says, you go ahead and do that, but make, make something for me too. It's a lot of crazy. I mean, how do you divide nothing in, into, 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 you know, two plates of something? But that's what he's ordering. And he says, I, I'll tell you what, this is what God says. You just do it every single day. Every day, you just keep emptying out your flour drum, and every day, you just pour out the oil. And, and here's what the Lord says, he'll take care of us until this drought thing is over. He'll take care of us. You will always have enough. Always have enough. The problem is, it's always going to look like not enough. You see that? He doesn't change the way it looks. He doesn't change her inventory. 
He just changes reality for her. Do you understand? If you just continue to pour it out every single day, then it'll continue to be full on the next day. You just keep pouring it out, and that's what they did. Now, that first day, that had to be scary, to pour out all that you have and to feed this crazy preacher who just shows up at your house and asks for supper, to feed the preacher and to feed your son who's already sick and starving. Feed him that last crumb of bread and and just think, my goodness, it's all gone now. It's all gone. But what happens? Every single time she says, I think it's all gone, there's always enough. Always enough. I said that in the life of faith, you've got a choice. You can live with this mentality of scarcity or you can live with this mentality of of abundance. Do you understand? You will only know the fullness of all that God has when you recognize the emptiness of all you have. It is God who is abundant. It is God who has the infinite supply. You're never going to be God. You're never going to have that infinite supply in your hands, but you will always have everything you need. You understand this? He will make sure you always have what you need. You will always have enough. You will have this abundance because God is a God of abundance. But first, you're going to have to recognize the emptiness of all you have. There's this paradox in the spiritual life, and it basically boils down to emptiness is fullness. Your emptiness is fullness. You have to allow yourself to become empty. You have to give everything to God, and you can't hold anything back. It's a problem with us. We like to hold back. I mean, this lady only had one handful left, and now Elijah's saying, yeah, yeah, go ahead and give that to me. How do you do that? How do you let go of the last thing you're holding in your hand? How do you give up everything you have? What happens when you have nothing left? What happens when you have nothing but empty hands? God will fill them. When you have empty hands, God will fill them. When you're holding on to what you hold on to, He can't fill you. Emptiness, your emptiness is fullness with God. You understand, if this lady had tried to hold on to what she had, she would have died. God isn't doing this as sort of just an exercise in faith. He's teaching her how to stay alive, and she has to stay alive by trusting him. If she had tried to do it her way, if she followed her plan, she would have died. If Elijah had stayed camp beside the, the brook that's drying up, he would have died. You understand? God isn't just teaching us faith so that we become really, really good church people. He's trying to teach us how to live our lives, and the life he has for us is an abundant life life. If she'd have done it her way, she would have died. So why are you trying to do it your way? Some of you have this mentality of scarcity, like God's not going to take care of you. You don't know him or you're not listening to him. He will never abandon you. He will never forsake you. Now, you will at times find yourselves camped by a brook that's drying up. 
When the place where you are begins to dry up, that's just a sign that God is leading you to the next place where he will provide for you richly. Listen to him. Follow him. You try to hold on to your life. You try to hold on to your plan. You try to hold on to things because you put your trust and your faith in the things that you have, the things that you know, the things that you've become familiar with. Learn to let them go. Just learn to let them go. The God who was so good to you by the brook of the past, he's going to lead you to a river of abundance in the future, but you've got to keep following him. You have to learn to trust him. And trusting him always boils down to an everyday relationship listening to him, following him. Understand? He's going to take care of you. He's always going to take care of you. It's going to look like emptiness. But your emptiness, given over to God, becomes his fullness. Emptiness is fullness with God. Pray with me. God, I know that there are people in this room, people in the sound of my voice, people in the cafe who have loved you and trusted you in the past. But Lord, right now, at this particular moment, the brook's drying up. Lord, you've never abandoned them and you've never left them in the past. But right now, Lord, in this particular moment, the drought is coming and they're afraid. Lord, sometimes we just are afraid. We want to trust you, Lord, but we just don't see how it's possible. Lord, we do the inventory of the things we have at our disposal, Lord, and somehow what we look like, what we see in our own hands, it never looks like enough. So God, help us to just let go of what is in our hands, to turn loose of all the things that we trust in. Help us, Lord, just to trust you with our emptiness, to trust you with our need, to trust you with our drought, to trust you, Lord, with our hunger, to trust you with our family, Lord, to trust you with our future. Oh, God, you have always been our helper. You have always been our provider. Help us to trust, Lord, that you will always be our help, our only hope, our faithful provider. Teach us, Lord, to stop looking at everything as if there's never going to be enough. Teach us not to look at life through eyes of scarcity. Help us instead, Lord, because of our faith in you, to live a life out of abundance. Abundance. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand? Will you talk to him? Will you listen to him?
He wants to lead you. He wants to take care of you, but you've got to hear his voice. You've got to listen. Uh, the altar's open if you wish to come and kneel and pray. If you have a physical need for healing, go to the deacon on the baptistry side for prayer. Whatever your need, I'm at the front if you have a public decision to make. Let's come before him now as we sing.